the, um, the word today. Let's pray, and we're going to dive right in. Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for um, the cross. Thank you for its role. Thank you for its place. Thank you that it's not the first thing, but it's all in all in relation to every area of our life, Lord. And God, we pray today as we um, begin to bring um, the book of Galatians together, um, that you would uh, be, in, be, be with us, give us clarity, give us clarity, give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and feet to walk in. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Who's graduating? Who's, who's... Stand up, stand up. If you graduated or going to graduate. Wow. Wow, y'all can have a seat. Y'all still ain't grown, but praise God for you. Now, that's what's up. Praise the Lord for our graduates. Um, graduation means a lot of things. Um, means a, a, a great milestone has been um, completed. Um, some of us were on the four-year plan. <laughs> some of us were on uh, the finish when I get a chance plan. Um, but, um, but by God's grace, you finished. Amen? Amen. So let's give God another big up for our graduates, man. Don't start smelling your underarm sauce now. You know, now that you got you a little degree on the wall and carrying on. You know what I'm saying? I know a couple of y'all got like four now, four degrees. So I'm, I mean, it's just crazy God's provision. Make sure that as, you know what I'm saying, God increased in your areas, make sure that the kingdom gets an increase. Amen? Amen. I ain't fronting now. Y'all think that's a joke. Um, God should always get a raise when you get one. Amen. 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 Well, um, we've been in Galatians and, um, today, today made, made me think about, you know, I, I was just, as I was working on this and kind of working through this passage, it, it's, it's a lot in it. Um, and I was, I was working through this passage and I, I just started to think about, I don't know why this passage made me think about my love for soul music. Like I, I love me some soul music. Not this new school stuff. Some old school, you know, soul music. You know, I, I, I'm not going to front. I, I, like, I like old school. I'm not one of those people that think that all music is demonic. Um, but I, I, I like soul music that the Christian uh, can listen to that doesn't offend the Lord. And um, as I was thinking through it, I said, like, nowadays, you know, um, it's hard to tell what's a soul song and what's an R&B song. And so I was like, how do you know the difference between soul and R&B? And I don't know, but just, just for me, like when I listen, this is what I look for when I listen to a soul song, whether it's Christian soul, just general soul that's not, I look for me some gritty, gutter. When I say gutter, I don't mean dirty gutter. I'm talking about just stripped apart, storytelling, you know, like Otis Redden, you know what I'm saying? Oh, she makes me weary, you know. And he just going with his thing, and that's just, he just, oh, weary, And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, Otis, Otis, I'm a dude, but good gracious, Otis. And so, you know what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm listening to the Joe, and he just, and like, he got this gutter country, Kentucky fried chicken, greasy grits with shrimp and cheese, cayenne pepper, sauteed with mushrooms, and I don't like mushrooms. Black, black eyed peas, macaroni and cheese with a lot of cheese and the crust on top. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I'm talking about that. When you, that's when you know you up in a soul song and you lost. And like, you like, where am I now? I mean, where? And I was just listening to soul, but you know, when you got cats doing all this during the song and, you know, doing like this and got dancers behind them and, you know, going like this and talking about, you know, doing their thing and, Tipping their head off and putting it up and going like this. That ain't no soul music. That ain't no soul music. You know what I'm saying? See, a soul singer can just stand flat foot and take you into a whole brand making new world. You know what makes soul music soul music? The realness of it. And I, and, and, and I believe music today has lost its soul. But I, I don't believe music's the only place that lost its soul. I believe Christians... We may have lost our soul. Not our souls that's taken from the kingdom of light to darkness, but our realness. Our down home, ground floor, 
gritty, authentic, here we go, stand flat foot, let's holler about this thing. And I believe we've lost it, and I believe that God wants us to get our realness back. And when I talk about realness, I'm not talking about stripped away realness that's unredeemed and, and not centered on the cross. And <clears throat> I'm not talking about realness without boundaries. That's not realness. That's called licentiousness. And so, and so, and so today, as I'm thinking through this, I, I just want to talk about the soul of the gospel. Because I believe true redeemed soul, true realness, true authenticity can only be found in one person in one place. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's his gospel. The gospel is the central place of the Christian life in which our lives are changed and continues to be changed. And so as I think about the day, I, I, you know, I think about one of my, you know, everybody know I collect and stuff. I collect figures. And as I was thinking today, I was thinking about my man, Batman. Batman is my favorite superhero. Hands down. Hands down. Now, the movies ain't doing them no justice, so I'm mad about, you know, some of y'all ain't really getting the real Batman. But this is the real Batman. Batman is, he knows 127 fighting forms. He's mastered them. You know what I'm saying? The dude is a major scientist, number two. He's a beastie technician. He can fix it, almost anything. I mean, but one of the things about Batman that's interesting, if you get to know him, is he doesn't have, crypton, crypt, crypt, you know, you got to get to know my man. Y'all say, y'all sound like he real. he's real, y'all, don't y'all? <laughs> but one of, one of the things about Batman that I love is, 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 is that savvy with that, right? But the biggest tragic flaw about Batman, he has two tragic flaws. He can't stand commitment, and he doesn't like community. I remember one time somebody, Batman, let's team up together. Batman was like, nah, I work alone, fam. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say fam, I just added that. But, I mean, he, he was like, he, he only works alone. One time somebody saved him, and he was like, what's wrong with you? He was like, I'm just not used to being saved. And, and as I look at Batman and as, I, and as I look at his lack of commitment, his lack of community with all of the skills and gifts and talents that he has, he loves being alone. And I believe that there are so many Christians that have a lot of gifts, that have a lot of talents. You're just like Batman. You work well by yourself. But when others get in the mix with you, there are issues that come up. And Galatians chapter 6 does something beautiful. It calls us into bringing the reality of the gospel into the reality and soul of the everyday real relationships. A lot of times we jump into Galatians and we jump into chapter 5 and we talk about the deeds of the flesh and the deeds of the spirit. But Paul does something interesting. Paul in Galatians chapter 6, he basically is laying out what it looks like to walk in the spirit. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? To bear the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, so on and so forth. So what you're going to see in chapter 6 is chapter 6 is going to be an application of Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to, I believe, 27. And so to today, as we walk through this, I'm going I'm to try to walk through this real slow. It's going to take me probably two weeks to go through this. Because I think, I think that there's, I, I really I don't want to rush this. Because I think this is the grits and cheese of the Christian faith. And I think that a lot of times we miss out on this because we don't make ourselves available for it. And so I really want to talk a lot about the, the nature of the spiritual maturity and how we apply the reality of that maturity. But Paul is trying to fight between two polar opposites in the book of Galatians, especially in this section. Stay with me. He's trying to fight legalism. That's one polar opposite extreme. But then he's also trying to fight against what we call or what he calls licentiousness. Now, legalism is adding to God's word with human requirements. 
Legalism means adding to God's word human requirements. <clears throat> that means I know what God says, but you got it. That's legalism. Contrastive conjunction behind God's requirements, you've gone from liberty to legalism. And so Paul is racing towards the people of God to fight. And many of us that, 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 that are tend to default to legalism, those of us that default to legalism is because if you were way out in the world and you knew you were something crazy, you used to, I mean, when there was a party, you was the first in, you was the first in the mix. You know what I'm saying? You was the first one. What? A party? What? You was the, and you were out there. You were drugging it. You were sexing it. When you became a Christian, what you do is you not only submit to the cross of Christ, but what you do is you get so afraid of who you were that you begin to become legalistic. And you begin to add things to the cross to help you not go back where you were going, but you still find yourself falling into the same sins that you were before you were saved. Why? Because you're trusting in what you were added rather than what was added to you by God through Christ. And, and, and so that's why the legalist is always depressed. Always depressed. When you legally, you, you, you got all these rules, you should be all right, but you're depressed all the time. But then, then Paul fights the other extreme. <coughs> it's licentiousness. What does licentiousness mean? It's the word with sensuality Pastor Deuce was talking about. It, it, it really means to cast off any restraint. It means, it means ain't no rules. You know what I'm saying? Licentiousness means, and licentiousness is removing or ignoring God's word and its requirements. In other words, the, the, the licentious person is always the inquisitive questioner to God's standards. That, I, mean, that, I mean, I hear all that. They're the ones that say, I hear all that. Um, you know what I'm saying? But, but I mean, you got to be real. I mean, we live in a fallen world. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, things happen. I mean, you can't, how you, I mean, that was written a long time. I mean, and, 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 and what you have are two polar, and so Paul is trying to protect us from adding to God's word and taking away from God's word. And what he does in this passage is he gives us some real practical safeguards for that to help us. I don't, I don't know if you ever, people always ask me, how do you find balance in a Christian life? I don't think you ever find balance. I don't think there is a balance. I think there's an awareness. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, gird your minds for action, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible always used process language, not balancing language. And so, and so, but that's why you need others. And that's what this is going to talk about. We're not just going to rail on the, 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 the principle of community. I think Epiphany Fellowship has talked a lot about that. But I think what we're going to do today that I think Paul is going to help us with in the first part of this passage is he's going to talk about personal uh, community management of your soul. Then the last part of it, he's going to talk about personal management of your soul. We're not even going to get to the second point today. We're just going to stay on point one. Just, it's just one point today. Y'all cool with that? And we're going to just walk through how Paul talks about that. So that brings me, of course, to my first point. The gospel impacts the soul of Christian relationships. The gospel impacts the soul of Christian relationships. This, this, is, this, is, this is powerful stuff. I'm going to read all the way. I think I'm going to just stop at probably verse 2 or 3 or something like that. Um, yeah, I, we'll just stop there. <clears throat> Brothers, if you have, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I think that's as far as we're going to go today. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. See, Christians, we're used to coming to church and checking off and clocking in with God. 
We used to we used to come into stuff. I was there. But being there isn't enough. See, the Christian life demands engagement. The Christian life demands that you be engaged. The Christian life demands that you submit to people other than the pastoral leadership within that local body. Paul here talks about this idea of, of submission and a mutual community. And so, like, we're supposed, like, most people talk about devotional. I hear a lot of times, how are you spending time with prayer? How's your time in the Word? And I think that is important. I, I, I do, and I'm going to talk about that. But I think we miss out on the fact that a part of our devotional life is us being devoted to others and others being devoted to us. And so Paul here, he says, he says, as an application of the fruit of the spirit and a safeguard against walking in the deeds of the flesh, this is what needs to happen in Christian community in order to keep you from... Sexual, uh, 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 um, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, or some translations say wild parties. That's a good translation. Because it covers all the bases that go on in some craziness. And things like these, like Pastor Lou said, this doesn't, this ain't even the end of the list. This is just a snapshot. He said, he, so, but then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, <coughs> joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so when Paul goes into chapter 6, verse 1, he says, I'm not trying to strike a balance for Christians, but I am trying to keep you aware. Dope. So he says in verse 1, he says, brothers, that means dudes and dudettes. If anyone is caught in a transgression, stop. The word caught took me a day and a half to work through. Just the word caught by itself. And I just could, I, I, I could not come off of the word caught. It is a, it is a, it is a very difficult word to translate. But, 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 but Paul says, if anyone, and so th- there's a sense in which Paul assumes that all of us are going to transgress. But what he says is, if anyone is caught, this covers two bases. The law of Moses covered these two bases, intentional and unintentional sins. In other words, things that you meant to do and things that you ain't meant to do. In other words, it has the idea of a person, unbeknownst to them, becoming bound by a stronghold and getting caught up in it and going far into it without anyone's help. It's interesting, and it also has the sense, it, it can either be that, it can either be, you just like, dang, I didn't realize how deep I was going to get into this. It has the idea of someone really being caught, it's in the passive, so it's something that happens to you, it's not necessarily something that you made happen. In other words, it has the idea of an outside source getting your attention and pulling you away into sin. Now, what's interesting about this is Paul It's going to talk about restoration. So we know this is not a church discipline sin because he talked about that in chapter 5. Church discipline means a lack of repentance which causes a need for excommunication for the purpose of restoration. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a weak believer or a believer of any type who has gotten caught. Or it could mean, or and it could mean, a person that was on the down low on something. And another believer caught them doing it. It can also mean, but I believe it's all of them. I, I technically believe Paul is trying to carry the gambit. It can, it can, also, it can also mean, so we talked about the fact that, that being caught means you just got drawn out. Um, the caught also means that you got caught doing something. But it also has the idea of a Christian coming to you and drawing you out. <laughs> 
them knowing that you're that you that you have an area that you've been keeping secret from the body and them going up to you and pulling you out listen not just pulling out i'm not going to talk about coming out of the sin but snuffing you out in in in, in today's language it would be like a, a somebody who's a robber inside of a building and the police throwing tear gas in there so that that person can come out and be arrested so the christian the idea of this caught word is to walk with people in such a way that you begin to interrogate them now i know some of you don't like interrogation cuz you you the one is always talking about you, why everybody in my business you know what you need somebody to interrogate you whenever you on the defensive about someone asking you questions about your spiritual life, you're in sin. Nine times out of ten, and your behind needs to be snuffed out. And so, and so, and so the issue of the Christian life is, is when you become a believer, there are very few things that's your business anymore. Oh, my goodness. See, let me just name a couple of things that, that can remain your business. That the Bible says, one thing ain't in the Bible, but it's assumed. Going to the bathroom, that's your business. <laughs> Handle your business. Amen. To a certain extent, this is your business, but it deserves questioning. The marital bedroom of a husband and wife. That's their business. Unless there are issues that need to be solved that point to accountability and need for that to be fixed. Other than that, everything's open game. That's rough, ain't it? Because you thought you just got a whole bunch. That's my business. Stay out of my room. When you were little growing up, you had on your stay out, a stop sign on your door. But when you become a believer, your life is an open book. Your life must, I'm not talking about, not, it's not open for nosiness. Because some of y'all nosy. You're just nosy, you're a snooper. You're a spiritual, unsanctified detective that needs to be get a behind whooping. But I'm not talking about nosiness. I'm talking about biblical, Jesus-centered concern. I'm not talking about gossiping. Oh, I'm, I'm concerned about, um, you know, I'm concerned about Jess. I'm, I'm just concerned. Um, pray. Let me just lay this thing out before you. <laughs> Notice the point is not a third party in the text. It's not the third. It's you going to the person. If anyone's caught. So that means that you need to shut your mouth and go to him. Because know what will happen? We talked about love last week. You will take into account wrong suffered, right? And we're not supposed to take into account wrong suffered. That's an unbiblical understanding of love, and we'll talk about the law of Christ in a minute. What you'll do is you'll think about what that person has done, and you'll internalize it. And you'll develop a credit card account and it'll have interest. And, and every time they do something that you didn't talk to them about, but they haven't gotten out of it because you haven't engaged them, you're going to add to that account. But since you knew and you didn't do anything about it, you're in sin because you didn't talk to them, number one, and you're in sin because now you're building up an account of a lack of love for them in your soul that makes you hate them. There's a demand for your spiritual life and for their spiritual life that you go to them and deal with the issue that they have been caught in. But you also must not assume that they're in something until you go to them and talk to them about it. Oh, I'm talking. I know I'm preaching. You ain't got to say nothing to me. I, I know it's in the Bible. Because, because it's right here. It's right here with the nooks and crannies of the Christian life are, and this determines how beefy of a Christian you are. Listen, I know we love theology around here. We're going to continue to preach theology. We want you to memorize verses. We want you to have a beefy prayer life. 
But you cannot get away with the real deal, holy field, Christianity stuff. like This is grit and grime, uh, uh, um, this, a stinking alley Christianity. And so we're going to have to learn how to be ground floor Christians. Because many of us, our heads are in the sky. Are just in the sky, just all up there, all up over there. And we need to begin to learn the art and science of engaging one another. That means stop coming to church. What do I mean by that? Don't just come to church, be the church. See, and when it comes to being the church, listen, the more you begin to, I'm not talking about be preoccupied in a busybody with somebody else's life. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think there's a necessitation, and I think it's better, and I think it's better when you have relationships with people specifically that are communing in the same local body. Not just, I'm with the universal church, so nobody can really know what you're doing. Like, I, I was hanging with somebody. See, we got to be unified. And I understand that, but sometimes you use that as an excuse to not get caught. And so, and so Paul says, if anyone is caught in a transgression. And so what he wants them to know is he wants Christians to begin to engage and help us and help one another deal with the strongholds in our lives. Many of us have secret strongholds that nobody has. In, we've been praying, Lord, forgive me of for a long time. Lord, forgive me of my. Lord, forgive me of my. It's almost a song. I could be a hook. Lord, forgive me of my. Lord, forgive me of my. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me of my. Come on. But we said it for so long. But if we had others that could, that we were in others' lives so they could snuff us out. I, I, I like, if I, I know when I did, my, my, see, when I, when I come home, my wife knows when something ain't right. See, she know when something ain't right. She, she go, do, 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 do. scanning Eric Mason. And she'll scan your boy. What's wrong, baby? Nothing. So, baby, my diagnostic, um, um, you know, and she began to lay and say, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Your temperature's rising. Blah, blah, blah. And she began, you usually, because your temperature, I'll be like, oh, man, man, can I? And my wife, she got the gift of snuffing your boy out, man. And, um, and, and, um, and so that's why I can't wild out, because I, I walk in the house. I'm downstairs, and she upstairs. I'm home, baby. Yeah, I know. And she done already snuffed me out from upstairs by just, something ain't right. Like, I, women, I don't understand why God is, like, it's something in there. I don't know what it is, the, the, the ministry of the woman. I mean, I don't, under, I don't understand it. But we need to have that type of relational discernment where we begin to say, is everything all right? What's been going on? How was your week? Talk to me. Talk to me. Don't start giving advice. Well, you know the Bible says. Shut up. Be quiet and learn to listen to others. Because some people will draw themselves out if you would just open your ears and close your mouth. And then they'll be weeping before you and you'll be saying, and they'll say, no one, I have had anyone and no one's been listening to me. Thank you for listening. And, and, and maybe your only role to do is just to pray. But, but that's a part of good Christian relationships. How many of us have stuff that has been cluttered in our souls for so long that if we had Christians that we were, not just mentors, but, but, but peers in the body who know the rhythms of our soul. Like, because the Bible says in 1 Samuel 20, uh, 18, 1, 1 Samuel 18, 1, it says, and, and that day, Jonathan and David became one soul. That's a beautiful verse. That's a beautiful verse. That means that, and, 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 and like, like Pastor Deuce was talking about, you know, cats becoming blood brothers. It was as if they became blood brothers that day. And they say, my life is your life. Your life is my life. The gangster call it, you know, ride or die. Redeemed is called your life is my life and my life is your life, family. Listen. I don't want to ever let you get caught in anything. I, I want to, I want to, like, I, I, I want my life, y'all, even as a leader, 
to be regularly snuffed out by good relationships. <clears throat> because if I'm not caught, I'll go far. And see, <clears throat> the vitality of our spiritual life demands family. That you have people around. That's why some of y'all like to be alone. You go to the movies all the time alone. And you go eat alone. And you want to live alone. I mean, you can, do, you can do all that if you want. But I'm just saying, there's at a certain point where you have to begin to allow yourself. I don't care. I'm an introvert. I'm a high eye. I'm a, on the, I'm like, who cares? I'm an ETNJ. You know, off the Miles Briggs. My, I'm like, I don't care. None of that. That don't, that don't, that don't, that don't. That don't take the biblical understanding of what all Christians are required to do and be based on the Bible. Personality type don't, uh, don't supersede the scriptures. That ain't me. Tell me that ain't you. Well, you ain't, you ain't gonna be, a, you ain't gonna walk as a good Christian. Because you're, de- you're dealing based on divine, de- by physical wiring rather than divine design. And so, and so it's very, very important for us as Christians um, to understand this principle. Look, look, at the next, look at the next part of the verse. He says, but if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Oh, my goodness. Before we even talk about restoration, we got to talk about who is spiritual. We just, you just got to stop there. You who are spiritual. That's a good question. Who is spiritual? Y'all ready? Paul talks about three types of people in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Three types of people. He talks about the natural person. He talks about the fleshly person. And then he talks about the spiritual person. Now, this is important. He started verse 1 with, I, came, I know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And then as he goes through the implications of him coming to them with nothing but Christ crucified, he talks about what the cross produces in a spiritual person's life, right? And we're going to talk about some of those things. But Paul says, you who are spiritual. So he makes it the responsibility. So the assumption is, Everybody that's a Christian, even though you've been born by the Spirit, ain't fully spiritual where you need to be. So that means there are a community of people within the community that are spiritual, and there are a community of people who are walking in another term. Now, what is the natural man? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, The natural person does not consider the things of God. Natural. What is a natural person? A natural person, those unsaved and unimpacted by the gospel. So that they ain't in the community. But sometimes Paul says some sneak in unnoticed. Or some people, some of you were unbelievers when you first came to Pivot Fellowship and you just kind of kicked it and chilled out because you were like, what in the world is this? And so you've just been kind of hanging and hanging out and then God saved you in the mix of that. But, 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 but a, a natural person cannot be a Christian. Like, that isn't even in God's economy for a natural person to be a Christian. That, that ain't God's economy, right? And this person rejects spiritual truth. Some natural people will be dubbed themselves spiritual. I'm spiritual. You know, you meet people on the streets. I'm a very spiritual person. I'm more spiritual than some of y'all Christians. I'm spiritual. You know what I'm saying? No, you ain't. Spirit, Christianly spiritual. You can be naturally spiritual, but not spiritually spiritual. Y'all got that? And so, and so there's an importance of that. Now, I've got to explain all this because you might be sitting here thinking you're spiritually spiritual, but when you're actually naturally spiritual. Spiritually spiritual means that you've been born of the Spirit by faith alone and Christ alone through grace alone. Naturally spiritual means you like mysticism, you like religion, you like stuff that has to do with spirituality, but you have nothing to do with the nutrition of the kingdom of the true God who is spirit. And his son is Jesus Christ. That's a big difference. So, but, but then you got the second person. This is the fleshly person. This is the fleshly person. Paul does something interesting in chapter 3, verse 1. He said, I, I had to talk to y'all as fleshly, as babes. What is a fleshly person? 
The fleshly person is this person is saved but has no spiritual growth. In other words, they haven't heartily started the track of what it means to go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. If they are engaged, they'll get on that track. Y'all still with me? He says this person is a babe in Jesus. When you look at um, 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 Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, he talks about in that passage people who are babes in Christ. A person who is a babe in Christ is a novice with the scriptures in both info and application. In other words, they don't have the information of scripture yet in them, although they have the mind of Christ. They don't contain the information that the, that the mind of Christ deems necessary to begin the process of walking from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Y'all hearing that? And so, and so, and so what you have is the natural person. And then you have the fleshly person. And so, and so, and so the fleshly Christian is the one that still, you, sometimes they sound like unbelievers. <clears throat> because sometimes they, they like, I, I ain't getting that. Like, <clears throat> because they've never been engaged. And the danger is, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you went a long time without being discipled, or you weren't around sound truth, what will happen is, is you will, people will be wondering about, I don't know, you know, they'll be talking, I don't know if, um, I, don't, I don't know if he's saved, man. And, you, and you'll, you'll be wondering, and some people authentically not, but some people have never been developed. Now, if you saw the Corinthian church and the way they were acting, you would, you would just think that this, but he calls them brothers. So he says, I have to talk to you, not in spiritual terminology, but human terminology laced with spiritual truth. But he says, I have to give you milk. In other words, you can't get steaks and pulled pork and, 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 and smoked chicken in your, in your system yet. You got, I know some of y'all hungry already. I, I'm, but, but, but he said, he said, he said, I can't put, he said, I'm going to have to um, put some powder in the little bottle Put some water in that joint. Put the put the put the, the the thing on the top of it. Shake that joint up. Put a hole in it and say, "Come here, baby, wet out," and start feeding you. He said, "This person who is here, who is fleshly, and all of this has to do with the person that's called who is spiritual, right?" But then he names the. I mean, uh, 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 he names the third person, the one who's spiritual. Now, what does the spiritual person look like? Paul talks about the spiritual person twice. I believe the Bible talks a lot in the New Testament and the Old Testament about the spiritual person in principle. But let's look at it, not just implicitly stated, but the explicit texts that talk about what the spiritual person actually looked like. Right. So he says in First Corinthians, chapter two, verse 13, that there is actually a spiritual person. He says in verse 13, he says, and we impart of this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. What, is the, the, what does it look like to be a spiritual person? I'm glad you asked. The spiritual person is one who has trusted Christ and continues in the gospel as a means for spiritual growth. So when you look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, he gets on them because they haven't continued in the gospel as a means for spiritual growth. So therefore, the spiritual person is the one who continues to utilize the gospel by Christ is by the means to take them from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Like Tim Keller says, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. It is the A to Z of Christianity. And so the person who is spiritual is a person who continues to be a ravaging wolf when it comes to eating the scriptures. They're a ravaging wolf. They're always, I'm not talking about you over-spiritualizing things. Now, that, that's not who I'm talking about because y'all get on my nerves. Man, I wonder what the Lord was doing because that light just turned out. We need to pray because maybe one of our lights in our spirit, oh, sh- When you get angry, bro- ho, ho, brother, brother, brother. You're like, hold on, be angry, but sin not. 
Like it's okay to be, like I'm not talking about somebody that sees a demon under, oh, the devil is a liar. That's a spirit, and you just got spirits for everything. The spirit of the stopping clock, the spirit of the turning on light, the spirit of the driver, the spirit of, come on, man. So let's get that straight. That ain't the spiritual person. That's phoniness. That's trying to be deep, creating stuff that don't exist. That's called legalism, adding to God's word. It looks spiritual, but it's undermined by a person trying to act like they have a deeper sense of God's presence than others does. That's a whole nother sermon. The spiritual person. The spiritual person. One who is spiritual, right? So this person is not legalistic. The spiritual person is also responsive to the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 2.13 receives the things which are of the Spirit of God. They're receptive. Also, the spiritual person looks at everything through a biblical Christ-centered grid. Let me tell you why I added Christ-centered, because a lot of people use the Bible, but it's not Christ-centered. It's just utilization of the Bible. They don't see Jesus nowhere. It's just law, 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 law. It's just Bible out of context. We're talking about Christ-centered, proper exegesis, proper hermeneutics, proper understanding of the Scripture. So this person, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that the spiritual man, I really like the way the New American Standard translates this. It says the spiritual man appraises all things. That means that the spiritual man is always discerning. Always judging, rightly that is. They're always trying to, trying to figure out what the will of God is for their life and the life of others. It is, and listen, discerning all things doesn't mean that you know everything. The spiritual man can admit what they don't know. But they say, I may not know, but I know who and where I can find it from. So the spiritual man is not a cat trying to floss his or her spiritual weight, but they have a humility and a sensitivity to Jesus and his spirit, and they're willing to open their hearts and minds to listen to others when they speak into their lives. They're willing to make their lives available to others. The spiritual man. But they're sound also in judgment, and they make good decisions. See, the spiritual man isn't the one, see an opportunity and just jump on it. See, when you're a quick decision maker, you're fleshly in that area of your life. But see, the spiritual man says, I know this sounds exciting, but let me pray about it. I know this is exciting, but like, let me, I'm I'm, like, even, I'm, I'm one who even like would say if something in your soul doesn't feel right. Like, I wouldn't just, like, and I see that in the Bible. Like, the believers felt a sense of awe when they all came into one place, right? So there's a sense where you feel the sense, but you don't allow your feelings to supersede biblical information, but your feelings are to submit to biblical information. See, the spiritual person doesn't just jump to their feelings, but they jump in faith. See, you know you're not spiritual when you, I, I feel like God. And, that's, and then you make a decision based on what you feel like God is doing, but don't have anything biblical to kind of help you affirm that that impression in your mind and in your soul and in your spirit was actually something that God would do. Y'all still tracking with me? And so, but, but, but then what are, the, what are the primary needs of these three groups? Number one. The primary need, this is important, we had to define who's spiritual. The, the, the primary need of the natural person is to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the primary need of the flesh, the, the natural person. The primary need of the fleshly person is the need of this person is intervention and intensive discipleship. The need of the spiritual is to, the, the spiritual person is to continue to follow Jesus and aid others. Your life is not satisfied if you're not heavily pursuing Jesus Christ. Some of you are satisfied if Jesus was out of the picture. He like spoils things for you. But see, when you love Jesus, and when you know a good opportunity isn't good without God, then what you'll say is, God, I I don't want to go without you. I 
would rather live in a cardboard box eating pork and beans in the rain than to have a bunch of stuff and you not be with me. I'd rather be in this cardboard box and, and sense that you're with me. It's raining all around me. Frustrations are happening. I'm out of work. But, dang, you're with me. Like the spiritual person has a desperate need to sense that God is around, not just in praise and worship for them to run around, but when they walk out and they got to face the depression of circumstance, they're, they're with, they say, God, I'm, I'm frustrated at what's going on with me, but I'm glad that I know that you're still with me. See, that's a spiritual person. See, that's a spiritual person. See, the, see, the spiritual person, they're, they're, they're willing to allow, like, like they're not, they, they get a little confused, but they're always trying to get informed by God so that they don't get far away from learning from him while they're in a, a, a peculiar circumstance. Some of y'all need to learn that. Some of y'all need to learn that. Spiritual. This, and the spiritual person is not only looking for God's presence or a sense of God's presence in their life, but they're relentless about it for others. See, that's the key to the spiritual person. That's why Paul says the only people I want helping restore other people are those who are growing up in the faith. Because some of you all overestimate your spiritual maturity. And you're trying to make disciples already, and you ain't ready. Because your life hasn't entered the stage of reproducibility. Oh, it got quiet. That's why he says, he says, the person that should be restoring others is a person that has entered the stage of spiritual development. In other words, these are not milk Christians. Because you know you, you are a milk Christian if you need to be taught in the basic areas of Christianity, but not just taught Helping walk through application of them. Because, see, people that know a lot of information will fool you. Because they can pontificate and they read a lot. That's, that was me early in the faith. People, I was intimidating the people. Because I can memorize, I have, I have a photographic memory. I take pictures, pick it, pick it, pick it, pick it, pick it, and I go out and get to work. I ain't fooling with E. Just as spiritually immature as I could be. As addicted to porn. But, but pontificating on, on systematic theology. Running after my ex-girlfriend, but pontificating. But I wasn't spiritual. I needed discipleship. I was punking out and using my information as a fog to shut people up. Then I had, I had some old heads. I had some old heads, you know what I'm saying? They can see past all that. They done saw all of this 900 times. They say, young man, you got a lot of potential. <laughs> they be doing something else. You know how old heads are. They so smooth. You know what I'm saying? They so smooth. You know what I'm saying? They so tear your butt up, and you don't even know it until you're driving home. He, he rebuked me. I have some old heads. Lighten me up. And then I began to submit my soul to them. And they caught me in a lot of stuff. Eric, when, how, how's your purity been, E? Well, you, I mean, nah, I don't want to hear a verse. <laughs> when was the last time your former bondage was caught in your life recently? They snuffed me out. I was like, they threw the tear gas right into my soul. <clears throat> and I'm like, you got me, fam. Here's some safeguards, E. Let me walk with you. Let me help you. How are you and Yvette doing? You keeping your hands off of her? Are you slobbering her down when you, when, at the end of the night? I got quiet. E, how are you dealing with Pride. I know you're getting a seminary degree, but are you running your mouth too much because you're getting a lot of information all day, or are you listening? Whew. You got to have some relationships like that, y'all. <laughs> you got to have some, yeah, listen, that's, that's, when you, that's when you can't get away with stuff. Say, so if anyone 
gets caught in a transgression. You who are spiritual, restore. I'm going to stop at restore because I think we need to spend some time on restoration. Restoration it is a beautiful word. I spent a half a day just on restoration. I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, this word, I mean, let me just tell you, this, was, this wasn't a sermon for me. This was devotions. I mean, just, it wasn't just me preparing to talk to y'all. God was lighting me up, like recalling me. Because, see, sometimes in your spiritual life, you can become the spiritual person, and then you think, me and Pastor Deuce were having lunch with someone, and, 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 and a friend of ours, a good pastor friend of ours, and he said, he, said, he asked me, Branch, he's a mutual friend, he said, he said, who in your life do y'all have that when you get around them, all your guards come down? And, 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 and when you leave them, it, they make you want, they're not, they're not authorities over you, not, not those types. But people who may be less spiritually mature than you, who can, who, not preachers. They ain't got to preach and have a big church. Just people who, when you get around them, you're automatically convicted. They make you, based on their sensitivity to the spirit and responsiveness to God's word, make you want to grow spiritually. Matter of fact, when you leave their presence, the first thing you do when you get in the car is you start praying. It was a guy who used to get on my nerves, but every time I left his presence... I'd be like, I'd be waited. I'd be standing there, broke all up in the car, just tore down from the floor down. And I'd be in the car, snotted all up before God. I mean, just no tissue, the glove compartment broke, I can't get no, and I, and I got to use my shirt. And, and, and I'm just before God saying, God, I want to look more like Jesus. You got any people like that in your life? That's the type of people that are qualified to restore. All of us should be longing to become presence convicting. <laughs> Our presence should convict. Um, not through authority only. Not through running our mouths, but because of a sense of the humility of the working power of the Holy Ghost on our lives. It's so sensed by the people around us that, that they say, that they say, Yo, man, I got something to tell you. I got to get on Restore. We can talk about that all day. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Restore, and we're going to close, y'all. Restore. Restore is a beautiful word. It means to put in order, to restore to former condition. It means to mend or repair. Dang. Oh, my goodness. Restore is a dope word. Because restore... We talk about shalom or peace. Peace means to restitch back together God's original created order to his original purpose. So when Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, we believe that his death on the cross is what we call penal substitutionary atonement. So that means that he was a substitution for our sins on the cross. He wasn't just trying to get us a better deal with God. He wasn't shopping deals. No, he bore our sins and our griefs and carried away our sinful diseases on the cross, right? What Jesus unlocks, the second Adam, is the second Adam removed shalom from the earth realm. Jesus wants to restore it first to our souls and then to the visible and invisible cosmos. That's called shalom. But what happens is, is until Jesus comes back, everything won't be fully mended until there's a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 5, right? Chapter 20. And so, um, and so what Jesus' death buys is he purchased our souls 
and give them over to the Lord from the wrath of God. Not from Satan. He doesn't buy us from Satan. Satan didn't own us. He's not in hell with a pitchfork, red with pointy ears. He's afraid of hell because God owns hell. Satan doesn't. And what he does is Jesus enacts shalom. And so the church is a repairing community. Our role as kingdom representatives of Jesus is not to build the kingdom, but to repair a fallen world. Because Jesus announces the kingdom. Our role is to announce the kingdom and give pictures of a kingdom. When Jesus says, repent, metanoia, change your direction for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind about the kingdom. And so what we do is the gospel is a stitch. It's like a needle in thread. And all of the gaps, all of the fractures, all of the brokenness, we are to bring restoration to. The key to this, listen, is restoration of Christian relationships. So he says, who are spiritual, stitch things back together in the body. See, 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 it, 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 uh, this is dope. The same word is used in Matthew 4.21 when it says, the sons of Zebedee were, were mending their nets. That word mending is the same word used here for restore. What were they doing with their nets? When they go and get fish and they bring them in, they, in order to fish again and catch fish well, they have to go on the banks, lay out their net, and go through and get the scales out, get the bones out, clean them. Then some areas of the fish net were broken, and so they have to restitch the net back together so that when they go fishing again, they're able to catch something and it will able, it will have the ability to map the net will be able to maximize its purpose. When Jesus calls us to be fishers of men, he's calling us in this restoration passage to have our lives being mended. It's not going to happen just by a psychiatrist, even though they're needed. It, it, listen, it's not just going to happen by, by, by just going to counseling. That's a part of it. But if you don't apply what you got out of the biblical counseling session, you're not going to be mended. So what we're called to, the spiritual, if you're spiritual, what you're called to do is participate Post the death, burial, and resurrection, the continuing of the reality of restoration through restoring Christians back to Christian health. It, it, it means the idea of binding up fractures, repairing broken bones. <clears throat> the word restore has the idea, it's used of a person's bone getting dislocated and putting it back. I don't know if you've ever dislocated a bone. But when you would rather the pain of just the dislocation than the process that it takes for the dislocated bone to be relocated. Relocation hurts more than dislocation. And you got to know that if you're going to walk in the grit and grind of Christian relationships, you're going to have to walk through the pains of restoration. And some of us got pasts and histories that have never been mended. And you're tore up. All of us, many of us are jacked up, and we respond to people based on the accounts of our past, relationships from our past, hurt from our past, and we are closed doors to accountability. And today is time to be over. It's it's time for restoration because listen, I don't want anything to get in the way of how God can use me. I don't want it. And so, no matter how much it hurts. To let somebody relocate my spiritual bones. Come on. Break, I'm going to just say, all right, I'm going to brace myself. I'm going to brace myself on three. Three. Pow! You need to go through it. What area of your life does Jesus need to relocate today? What area of your life? What area of your life? Have you been ignoring God's impact on that needs to be 
restored. And G- listen, Jesus is waiting. He's waiting to restore you to fullness of health. But it's only through faith in him and him alone. And what he does through faith and faith alone is he uses other Christians. He uses other Christians to restore you. So many of you have been hurting, holding back. It's, it's time to let, because you even sense that you've been walking with a limp too long. It's not enough. It's not enough just to come here. I, I, I mean, we, want, we don't want to just fill up seats. If, if you're just here to fill up a seat, we'd rather go back to nine people in my living room. But, 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 but we want, we want, we want, and not, not just what we want, but God wants a healthy community of people. If we're going to minister in North Philly, we can't be, we can't be, we can't be like, like we got to be like, how are we going to talk to people about this stuff? If we're not willing to be mended, because you learn through your mending and how to mend, but you got to be mended. You can't just start doing, do you want, I wish you would need surgery and you want somebody that ain't been to medical school and has some practice to come in and start working on you. Open heart surgery. What is the, what's this? And, 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 and God forbid you under anesthesia, but you awake. You're like, oh, God, oh, get away, get away. Oh, oh the Lord Jesus Christ, I hate the name of Jesus Christ. that you help me today, Lord? Oh, Lord, help. We need to be made whole. And it's a process. And we're going to give. Listen, and when you deal with what you haven't dealt with yet, there's going to still be more stuff to deal with. But the joy is Jesus provides people to help you to continue to deal with it. So listen, we're a community of hope. And so we be, we're believing God for restoration. God will, I'm not one of them punk dudes that don't believe in the power of God to restore. Come on, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Yes, he will. And he will restore all of it. All of it. Every, every, I'm, that's where I'm charismatic. I, in the name of, he will restore. Some of you have wasted time in your life. And you can't get that time back. That's why Joel says he will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. I mean, some of you, it's because of you, that you where you are. And God says, that's okay. If you return to me, I'll, I'll act like those years never happened. <laughs> I'll act like those years have never happened. But you got to trust my son. And so why don't we join together today? And commit to one another. That's what covenant community is about. That's what it's about. It's not about some membership requirement stuff. It's about seeing who's serious about being a restorer of breaches. Because at the end of the day, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he gonna, he's going to interrogate us. And listen, I would rather be interrogated now. Now, I know I ain't going to hell, but I don't want to, like, God's going to really punk us real hard in front of, on the judgment seat of Christ. So I would rather get punked now than to stand before him embarrassed by everybody past, present, and future. I'm like, deal with my stuff. What you want to know? What you want to know? Huh? Yep. Yep. I did it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And listen, the leadership is not above needing your restorative help. I'm not going to do the benediction in the office. I'm not going to be like, 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 I don't want to overstate. Like, I think there needs to be authority. But we are part of the body of Christ, too, and people forget that. And so this is for everybody. This is just for the laymen. There's no such thing as laymen. It's just one royal priesthood. 
Maybe you're here today, and you sense all of the fractures in your life, dislocated bones, all in different areas of your life, but you haven't trusted Christ. God can't deal with symptoms of dislocation until he deals systemically with the fact that your relationship with God is dislocated. And Jesus Christ, on a wooden cross, nailed to it, blood coming out, dropping his head, going to sleep, commending his spirit to the Father, deals with it. Not just your issues, but the greatest issue, that there's a gap between you and God. And Jesus wants to bridge that gap. If that's you today, grab your bulletin, and you want to trust in Christ and Christ alone. He's calling you to repent of your sin. Repent. Repent of your willingness to do it on your own. Repent of your, 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 you thinking you're free without him. Repent of you trying to create rules that don't exist. Repent, 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 and put your faith in Jesus. And he's a restorer. He wants to restore first the relationship between you and God. Fill out in your bulletin. If you already filled out the visitor's thing, if you're a visitor, get another one from your neighbor and fill that joint out. And put it on the back table because we want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. Father.